0: Interrupt our program to bring you this important message.
1: Well, good morning. Today is uh, March 29th, and this is a pretty special day because tomorrow. We are filing the first ever of its kind lawsuit uh, in Grace's death. And uh, it's been a stressful time getting ready for it. So this is kind of a break for me today. And it's it's uh, nice to be here with a fantastic guest. My name is Scott Shera. I'm Grace's dad. One of the reasons Grace was taken prematurely, that God allowed it, was to save others and to wake others up. Specifically me, I was not awake. And as a result, I become a full-time advocate. And what it has shown me in becoming a full-time advocate is how programmed I am. And or was, I should say, and still am. I'm, I'm in the process of deprogramming myself. And that's why this podcast is called Deprogramming with Grace's Dad. I'm a Christian and I work through things from that perspective. And I see that uh for the most part christians have fallen into that problem of being programmed and i see it now as a responsibility to to help in the fight uh, so my guest today is nurse aaron so don can you bring nurse aaron in hi aaron
2: hi scott
1: so when so i i call nurse aaron nurse aaron because her last name is one of those many that mm-hmm. i can't pronounce so thankfully you know she decided to call herself nurse Erin so I don't have to look like a dummy and say her name wrong so anyway once we once we start talking with her I'm going to have her introduce herself because I think her background is outstanding and I'll let you know how I got in contact with her but before we do that we're going to talk about a little bit about Grace so one of the Favorite memories of Grace is her love of Elvis. And you know, I brought this up a few times before, so I'm going to share a couple of new things that we've never shared on the air before. So, Don, can you bring up the first picture? All right. So, this was Grace's first kiss um, outside of her mom and dad. So, this is, was with an, uh, an Elvi, so uh, an Elvis tribute artist in Graceland. So, we went to Graceland and Grace got her first kiss.
2: Yes. Oh my goodness!
1: Isn't that awesome? It's beautiful. All right. uh, next one, Don. All right. So oh. this is <laughs> this is Grace dressed up as Elvis. Mm-hmm. So you know you can see the lip curl. I mean, she really had it. She really had it down. You see the the dog tags, and you know she's got the costume, the whole the whole bit. So it was pretty neat. All right. This next one is going to take a bit to explain. So Grace could see Elvis everywhere. So can you see Elvis in the picture, Erin?
2: I'm looking the, for him right now.
1: So this is this is a road, this is about uh, three miles south of our house and we're driving north here. So if you look towards the uh, middle of the screen there, you'll see the chin, the nose, and then Elvis's big tuft of hair going over the top. So he's facing, you know, like his face is turned uh, to your right.
2: I'm, so, you're gonna have to send me that. I'm gonna have to study it for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: so this yeah. is, so we we called this, you know, Elvis in the road. So she saw Elvis in the road. So it was pretty neat. All right. So then I'm going, you know, Grace and I had a few different Elvis songs that, that we liked. So I ended up purchasing Sirius radio for my truck so that when her and I were in the truck together, we always played uh, the Elvis station. Yeah, anyway, the song that would it would come up, it's called Kiss Me Quick. So, Don, can you just play? We just have the first 35 seconds of the song, and then I'll tell you about it.
3: Kiss me quick While we still have this feeling Hold me close And never let me go
1: Oh man, you know, I, I've been blessed with the general ability to compartmentalize the story. Some of those memories, it just takes you right back. When that would come on the radio, (laughs) you know, we would hold each other's hand while we're While I'm driving and then I would just lean over and she'd lean over to me and we'd kiss each other quick when every time it said kiss me quick during the song. So uh, it wasn't necessarily the safest thing on the road, but it was it was neat. So anyway, I wanted to uh, before nurse Erin introduces herself, I would just wanted to say one last thing as part of an intro and that is next week Tuesday in Wisconsin is an extremely important Supreme Court race. We have a true um, Christian man that is uh, stands up for truth, and he's facing somebody that is being funded by the cabal. And so, I hope everybody in Wisconsin—I'm not promoting voting; that's not my goal here. But this is this is a real important election, Uh, and so it's for state supreme court. These are ten-year terms in Wisconsin, and. This man, Dan Kelly, it would really be fantastic to get him in. So, uh, so Aaron, you know, we we have never met. I mean, we we talked first, it was probably two, three months ago. My wife and I read your book, Undercover Epicenter Nurse, and you know, I felt motivated to get in contact with you because, you know, that book is is already been out there uh, more than two years, but we had never read it. So we were reading it together, and it was uncovering, you know, every single thing that we experience, And so, you know, you get done reading that, you think, I wonder if, if we would have read that before Grace went in the hospital, would it been enough to wake us up? And I don't know. I'm not sure on that. You know, we may have said, well, that's only happening in New York. I don't know. Um, but anyway, that is the, that's how nurse and I, nurse Aaron and I came in contact with each other. And, you know, she has, um, she's really been a, uh, become uh, somebody that I can rely on. I can reach out to her. She responds right away. And even though she's as busy as anybody on the planet. So Erin, can you introduce yourself? So the audience gets a sense for what your background is.
2: Yeah. Um, man, I, the first, I just want to say like, I'm, I'm just really, really sorry that, um, that we have to even be having this conversation, you know, and I'm just really, honestly, I I wish that I am, you would have been a, a doctor, you know, and like you would have been a really, a really good one. You know, it's like, there's, there's a lot of people that are not as brave and as strong as you. And you actually inspire me, Scott, um, to keep going too, you know, especially, um, just how strong like uh, you're just a fighter and I just want to say it. I just appreciate you a lot and um, I'm very proud of everything that you've accomplished and and making sure that Grace's story, you know, is shared around the world and it's happening um, but I um. I'm originally from Wisconsin, like like you, so I grew up there um, in Wausau. I'm sure a lot of your viewers are probably from there. So um, moved up to uh, a smaller city, three stoplights, graduated. And um, I've always kind of been like the the black sheep kind of rebel in my family. And uh, I always wanted to be a nurse. Uh, even at five years old, I was dressing up every Halloween as a nurse. and um, And then one day, you know, it was like high school, uh, 12th grade. I'm like, there's more to this world, (laughs) you know, like I I know that there's 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 more. And I just kind of felt it in my heart to, you know, see about looking into going in the military. And I ended up joining when I was 17. My mom co-signed for me. And that was January 2001. And then I went to basic training July, 2001, and that's when September 11th happened. Um, And, you know, I knew that I was gonna go directly to war. Uh, They let us know that, you know, this is real life here at this point. So that's kind of what I did, Um, was over in Iraq uh, from 2003 to 2004, and then um got back home and i uh, was transferred down to florida um tampa florida so that's where i've kind of been um mainly since um got my nursing degree and just you know started to you know live live my my life um and then uh, i have three boys and um my oldest now is 13 they're 10 and and eight and my 10 year old um at 12 months old um ended up I, i always uh was a little bit skeptical with vaccines and that and he ended up getting they got him spread him out got him the mmr and he immediately started you know going into uh they called it the the fainting goat he would just pass out but what it was was seizures lost all um speech motor movements everything so um i knew at that point that i there was more that i needed to be looking into and that's kind of when i started my journey down the the medical uh rabbit hole of how much i've been lied to as a nurse and i started getting really upset because i everything that i was finding is nothing that that i had been taught and if i had known that then i would have been able to protect my my kid so um, the, 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 medical industry is very evil. Um, and I kind of like, I needed to stay in because I knew that there needed to be good people. So, um, so I, I stayed in, but I was very outspoken even in my hospital at the time. And then, um, around the 2017 is when I like felt confident enough to just come out publicly and kind of started speaking on that. And then you fast forward to January, you know, 2020 and we're starting to get this coronavirus kind of thing. And my story, you know, uh, I guess became a little bit more (laughs) explosive after that, you know, with um, exposing everything that happened in in the hospitals.
1: Yeah, we we couldn't, uh, if this might be a good time, Erin, to play, we're going to play the whole segment, the five-minute segment of you with on tucker carlson i think that's really critical that people have that background because that really for the first time drove a stake in the ground that this is actually happening you know the media had not ever reported anything and all of a sudden you were on tucker carlson so does -hmm. that make sense right now should we play that
2: yeah i mean i maybe just a, a little background um is so i i'm from florida um and you know we were at that time this is March, you know, uh, using the hydroxychloroquine zinc protocol. We were like, I was working out in the tents. So I was an ER nurse um, and we just weren't seeing the patients come in. I actually took a job with Instacart and started shopping for people just to make money. So that's how many hours I didn't have during a pandemic. Um, and then that's essentially when I, I took the travel position to go up to New York, you know, the front lines, war zone. I'm like, I've been there, done that. You know, like they, they tried to, like, let's go. Um, and then what I saw was was um, a, a mass genocide. Uh, and I I couldn't knowingly know what was going on and 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 say nothing like the majority um, did and um i knew no one would believe me or listen to me um so i ended up just going undercover with spy glasses um in order to record it because how do you dispute live video Um, but people find a way still (laughs)
1: your book does a fantastic job of of laying out all those steps you know every chapter left you with oh i want to read the next one the next one because you you laid the entire thing out you set up the the narrative with your history and then um as you got into it and you saw it and you realized your obligation and then the spy glasses and the whole thing it was it was really it was really well done i was surprised to see you could get something out that fast uh, so it's it's neat. So you know the title I've titled today's program "Hospital Murders Exposed" because you know that's the lane I'm in, and I couldn't have a better guest to to help frame that because you know she was the first one that that came out publicly. So the Tucker Carlson interview before Don plays that. What was the um, the month year of that interview? Um,
2: that was. I was kicked out of the hospital at the end of May in New York. So that was, that was June. That was early, early June of 2020. 2020. Yeah.
1: That means, you know, Tucker Carlson has 3 million viewers a night. So, I mean, right then we had a stake in the ground that if we were all had our discerning glasses on, we could have, we could have put a halt to this. But I mean, it's still continuing today, unfortunately. And that's why I'm that's why I'm speaking out. You know, the public health emergency was re-upped on January thirteenth, And it's still in place, which means mm-hmm. they're still murdering 500 to 1000 people a day with COVID as a diagnosis. I mean, it's it's insanity. All right, done. Well, let's play that clip now. And then I'm going to ask Aaron a
0: series of questions. Well, no governor let more people die from coronavirus than Andrew Cuomo did. His policies killed thousands. Now, a nurse has released shocking undercover video footage of what actually happened in New York's hospitals. And she joins us. Very few countries in the world lost more people to coronavirus than New York did, and no states lost more in the United States. How exactly did that happen? It's a question that needs a serious answer. Many people died. Finding out seems of no interest whatsoever to the press. They'd rather shame people for visiting the beach. Erin Marie Olszewski is a nurse. She spent almost a month working in New York's Elmhurst Hospital. That was the epicenter of the coronavirus outbreak in the state. She was so shocked by what she saw that she began to collect undercover footage of what was happening around her.
2: This patient is in with like a non-COVID and I don't understand why they're doing that. I know, there's four patients. In a row here, non-COVID, yeah. and this is supposed to be the COVID. Yeah, the seventh floor. They shut it down. That's and they right. I'm, I'm confused. And then they're going to have non-COVIDs there. Yeah. This is going to be the only COVID, so they shouldn't put any non-COVIDs here. Well, that's what they've been doing. The guy over in twenty-nine, I had him upstairs, says I was on CCU before it. Yeah. And he came in with a, a with a stroke.
0: I know,
3: that's
2: what 26-1 was, a stroke. And Nothing No COVID. COVID. And COVID. now he's got COVID, and he's on a
4: vent.
3: Well, because we gave it to him here.
0: Yeah. Erin Olszewski is the author of the forthcoming book, The Undercover Epicenter Nurse. She joins us tonight. Erin, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for doing this, The Insides of Hospital. Well, thank are you for having me. Of us. So tell us what we just saw. Explain the video we played, if you would.
2: Um, Well, this was a pretty common occurrence and the video shows COVID and non COVID being housed in the same floor, um, sometimes in the same rooms, uh, which is ultimately creating, you know, hospital acquired infections of COVID. It's nosocomial infections. So, you know, people will be admitted without COVID or, and they will end up getting COVID. Sometimes they'll be awaiting their tests, which would take anywhere from five to 10 days to see if they had COVID and be admitted to these floors while they waited.
0: That's just, that is shocking. And I'm just so glad that you got video of it. I mean, this was happening at the same time. The rest of us weren't allowed to go outside for fears that we would spread the coronavirus to one another. How could this happen in a hospital where people have weakened immune systems?
2: Um, I I like those answers. Um, I've been asking them and nobody seems to really have those answers. I don't know who the authority is. That's what I'm always referred to. Um, Part of this, I think, came from Governor Cuomo's executive order that he did on March 23rd, 2020, um, you know, removing essentially all liability from all medical professionals, um, banning the hydroxychloroquine, um, not allowing family into these, you know, hospitals in order to advocate for their patients. So there's a lot of different things that um, happened that really created this problem.
0: It's so interesting that you mentioned not allowing family in to advocate for their relatives. That was a factor in this it sounds like.
2: It's a huge factor and that's what I'm having a really hard time with because nurses we're supposed to be reporting you know anything that we see unethical it's part of our job. Yes without family in the rooms we are the patient's eyes ears and everything we have to make sure that the patients are being treated properly Um, anybody and and, you know any nurse or anyone that would question anything would be sent home I was one of them Um, and nobody ever wanted any of this out and I you know it's all hearsay if you don't have proof. So I needed to get the proof. So because it is so absolutely unbelievable that without it, you know, it, people couldn't even fathom this.
0: I, I think this is a. I think this is a scandal. I don't use that word lightly. You were sent home for complaining about a policy of putting COVID patients with people who weren't infected. That's shocking.
2: Correct. Asking questions, they would tell us that you know, be good, behave, um, don't ask any of these questions, um, or you're going to be sent home. And I have a recording of that as well. Um, you know, I was there for just under a month, so a lot of this is all well documented.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. And if it wasn't, no one would believe you. So, good for you. And thank Correct. you for coming on tonight, Aaron. Congrats on the book.
2: Well, thank you very much for having me, Tucker. Of course, appreciate it.
0: Thanks. You know that is
1: it is so eye opening. You know when I, I when I saw what happened with Grace, I see that it's it's not just the uh, lack of advocacy, which I'm calling the shroud of secrecy. You know, so they had the shroud of secrecy, but in mm-hmm. addition to the shroud of secrecy, they have in, they're incentivized to to follow protocols known to kill people, and then you know the third leg of the stool is they have immunity from liability. So I mean you can't make that up. So you can see that it's pre-planned. By the way, I should just say you notice Tucker did a great job saying your last name. You know, mm-hmm. he's obviously got a train. He's got training going on. He makes a <laughs> couple shuckles more than me, so you know he, he can do that. So, you know, I'm still going to call you Nurse Erin. So That's... back now <laughs> onto, the, onto the serious. What what has happened with the cabal trying to shut you down? Obviously, you're you're out there. You spoke up, but I mean, you had to have been. Uh, they're, they've got to be trained to shut you down. So what's
2: happened? So like from that Tucker Carlson interview, I thought like so my attorney actually uh, had that planned before we uh, right like right after we released my expose or they probably literally to protect my life, you know, um, I can never stop speaking out and being as public as possible or, you know, like they they don't want people like us that have been on the inside especially that have that proof of this these types of awful things um but even with that tucker carlson interview and even with the undercover video um people thought that you know just pretty much said that i was making this up trying to get my 15 minutes of fame which is absolutely this is this is fame i don't want it (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, but ultimately, you know, it, it didn't reach, it didn't reach the people that I wanted it to. And and that's why I, I did what I did. That's why I put my book out as fast as humanly possible. It wasn't perfect. But I thought, you know what, like, they, they might censor me, they might kill me. But at least this book is going to remain to this day, they won't put it on any bookshelves. Um, it, they're just keeping this from the people and ultimately it's causing people to die because of it, you know? And that's, what's it's, I'm at this point now, I'm, I'm angry. Like I am, I am angry. I'm angry for you. I'm angry for so many people that have died unnecessarily and their families and their loved ones. Like this right now is a tipping point in our history. And if we don't fight like you're fighting Scott and everybody, you know, that is speaking up despite the pushback, despite losing, I lost my job, like all my jobs, uh, you know, blacklisted. I can never work in, in nor what I want to, the industry anymore. But I've saved, I have my license, it's clear and active because this is our job. This is our job as medical professionals, as nurses, we are mandatory reporters. And if we don't report something that we know is unethical, mass genocide you know gross negligence malpractice then you will lose your license and that's my you know i i want to not not only give a voice to the victims and and share others stories but i also want some prosecution done and i want to see some justice before my my lifetime
1: so you they didn't take your license away but nobody will hire you so then you you ultimately you're you had to start your own business essentially right in order to be able to have any revenue coming in
2: yeah well here's the thing like I, i did uh i spoke at as many places that i could most of it was on my own dime um because why not i needed to get the message out and they were censoring me online they were taking all of my social medias down you know like the Everything I was doing, they were shutting down. They shut my PayPal down, they shut my Linktree down, they shut my Facebook down, my Instagram down, like any me. They took my email list. I had to fight months to get that back. Um, so I'm like, I'll go to the people, you know, and do whatever it takes. And so I did this, but now, you know, um, we're in 2023, you know, and you know, even last year, the year before, people are like, we know what's going on, but what do we do? There's no solutions so i'm like all right that's what we need to do we need a solution and because people were being banned from from taking medications that if they wanted to take them to, you know instead of being put on a ventilator you know and i called i called what was happening in the hospital an assembly line to a body bag because that's what it was it was a turnkey style operation to the freezer trucks which did uh, they did exist at Elmhurst, and I did put all of my patients in that freezer truck, but they did not die of COVID. So that's this is where the the people don't understand, you know, the the fact that these deaths are not from COVID. The majority, that's, if well, they're even uh, right, you know?
1: that's spot on. I mean, my same my research has done that too, and that's why every time I'm talking, I I want to take it off of COVID and frame this in. A much bigger picture there's a euthanasia agenda that's mm-hmm. been in place um, for at least 40 years prior to covid and likely longer than that uh, i want to show a little clip here and then get your comment about that because it, it helps show this as a not covid really just exposed what this agenda was but when people start looking at it only as covid and what, they, what I believe they have planned with their amnesty campaign, it's gonna look like, oh, we can turn the page. Now we're out of this. Well, we're not out of it. Mm-hmm. We're, we're really just starting. So, Don, will you play the next clip and then we'll get Aaron's thoughts on it.
3: Chicago is one of America's wealthiest cities. Article 25 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights says that everyone has the right to a standard of living adequate for the health and well-being of a family, including food, clothing, housing and medical care. In the United States, that right has yet to be granted. Instead, a group of health insurance companies dominate the health care industry and often decide who shall live or die. As many as 87 million Americans cannot afford health insurance or their insurance is made virtually worthless by excess charges known as deductibles. At least 20,000 Americans die every year because they can't get treatment. And this is the system that inspires so-called reform of the NHS.
4: It happens late at night, after 10 and before 4. It's called patient dumping.
0: This woman says it happened to her, dumped at a homeless shelter by a nursing home alone. Had you ever heard of patient dumping before? Never. She says two men in a white van drove her here to the Pacific Garden Mission and dumped her right here at the mission's front gate. It was the middle of the night. She was in a wheelchair and she didn't have her medication.
5: For any society, uh, just to drop somebody off, especially with a disability and expect them to fend for themselves, is really barbaric. And when we saw these things happening, we we were appalled at that practice.
3: In the United States, the dumping of patients is so common that this hospital patient was caught on CCTV being dumped at a refuge.
5: People just want to get rid of the person and at at whatever cost, find some place where somebody can go to and just dump them and get out of there, let's move on to the next person. And if a hospital wants to make the most profit, they wanna get the most number of people in the beds. So to get somebody out and get the next person in, find a place for a person to go to and if you can't, dump them off. Because they know that an organization like ours, we wouldn't leave them out there. So they're really trusting the goodwill of the organization. I get really
1: wound up when I see this type of thing, but it it has to be shown to the public because you can then see what's going on. They have convinced us through propaganda that collectivism is more important than individualism, which means that they think that for people who are worthless eaters, so the disabled, the elderly, We've got to ration care. They don't deserve the same care as a contributing member of society, and that is so sick. Anyway, I, Erin, what are your your perspective of it?
2: I witnessed this, you know, working in the hospital myself. I mean, they didn't um, necessarily, you know, dump them outside, but the doctors would discharge these patients, and the majority of them were obviously homeless. Um, the hospital knew that they likely couldn't pay. Some of them weren't even on Medicare, or Medicaid or enrolled. um but in in the hospital that I worked at, actually, um it was an Ascension hospital up in Wisconsin um, would call them taxis and have them brought to the Good Samaritan, you know or the you know and, and like no no appointment, you know, they' just bring them there and have them drop them off. So a similar. Thing I guess they were nice enough to get him a taxi though. I mean, it's disgusting. And, and even in the majority of these hospitals that did this to the hundreds of thousands of people around the world, but especially in the U- United States, um, served Medicare, Medicaid patients. You know, you didn't see, you, you don't see this, uh, even in New York, when I was there, it was the New York City Health and Hospital System and, and that system has multiple hospitals and they mainly serve Medicare and Medicaid patients. Yeah. Um, they're, they're federal or state funded federally at that point and um, they took advantage of it. You went 20 minutes away to a, a nicer hospital in Manhattan, they didn't have any patients. You went to the comfort ship, they didn't have any patients. They wanted them in there because it was money. Yeah. They, they made money these people are disposable and you know i like i could kind of grasp that the government doesn't care but it i actually have chills right now what i can't grasp is the same people that are in there that are meant to care for you that you tr- are supposed to be able to trust are the people that are putting you putting them in their graves that that is where i i cannot get over it and honestly i don't even know how these people sleep at night. I, I just, I don't understand it.
1: I, I couldn't agree more. And you know, I've got a couple of comments. So um, Grace died at an Ascension hospital. And it's interesting because on top of Ascension hospital system is the second largest nonprofit system in the United States. They hide behind their Catholic association. So their nonprofit status is based on their supposed Catholic beliefs, and I'm telling mm-hmm. you bluntly, I mean that's all marketing. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It's all marketing. Your comment about you don't understand how the people can do that. So I I, I have a very specific question related to mm-hmm. that that I just want to ask your your thoughts because you know in the end somebody has to make a choice on that person's life, and mm-hmm. so the physician is doing that you know they're signing the death certificate not literally but i mean at the end when the person dies of course they're signing the death certificate but when they they follow procedures known to kill they have become
5: mm-hmm.
1: murderers so mm-hmm. aren't don't we have to go after the physicians aren't they the ones that are the real problem and the related question is how did they get those phys- physicians on board
2: it's everybody. It's, it's every single order follower that knowingly went against any ethical standards that they were ever taught. These doctors and even nurses, like I said, you know, in the beginning, I didn't know, they didn't teach me about, I didn't know anything about vaccines except for we had to give them even medications, you know, like this is how we treat this never really looking at anything else. And I believed it, you know, like I was fed that, but I also like still question things, but a lot of people just don't anymore. You know, it it starts in in schools and you know, the, all of these, these textbooks that they're learning from, they're funded by pharmaceutical companies. So of course they're going to push it. And, and once people can understand that, like, then they can understand, like, we're, we're not a healthy country. Like we're, we're the, we're the first world. We have Third world problems right now, you know, like there's other countries that are doing way better than the United States because honestly, we're just trying to funnel. They're just trying to funnel money through here, and yes, I do blame the doctors, but I also blame everybody else that followed orders, you know, including, you know, everybody in in the supposed help helping uh, industry, you know, all the way from the president all the way down to the janitor, you know, that all of these people see it, they, they all saw what was going on. And when I was at least in the hospital, we all agreed. And I have like all the bus rides, we all agreed back and forth every single day. It was an hour, an hour of um, conversation every single day that I was there with all of the nurses on these, on these buses. So it it was a consensus and um, everybody just looked the other way because they were getting paid a lot of money, and they didn't want to lose that paycheck.
1: Yeah, that I mean, there will never be a time where following is going to hold up as an excuse. Um, mm-hmm. You brought that up. I want to play another clip, and I'm not going to introduce it specifically, Um, because I just want to see it first, but then I want to frame this clip. And beforehand, I want to just comment about what Aaron said about the United States, you know, where we're at. And statistically, if you haven't heard this yet, it takes a lot to wrap your head around it. We are number one in the entire world with COVID hospital deaths. And we're number one by far. We are almost at 1.2 million deaths in hospitals with COVID as the diagnosis. I mean, that's insane. And it's even more insane when you think we're number one. Number two is India. And India has less than 50% of the hospital deaths of the United States, yet their population is four times that of the United States and their footprint on the planet is one third that of the United States. So when you see it, you can clearly see there there is a a propaganda agenda and so with that brief introduction i'm going to have don play the next clip
4: in february in march of 2015 peter dashik the chief architect of the deployment of this this particular campaign of terror along with anthony fauci and ralph Barrick, peter dashik made the following statement To sustain the funding base beyond the crisis, we need to increase the public understanding of the need for medical countermeasures such as a pan influenza or pan coronavirus vaccine. A key driver is the media and the economics will follow the hype. We need to use that hype to our advantage to get to the real issues. Investors will respond if they see profit at the end of the process. If you think that this is an issue that has anything to do with a virus spreading in a pandemic, you
1: are delusional. Okay, so I want to connect the dots as how I see this. And so every one of us, because it was on TV, saw these freezer trucks that Erin witnessed herself. They saw the body bags in there. They saw these freezer trucks. So, I mean, all the alphabet networks all ran it. So we all saw it. So now you look at today, it's near impossible for me to get any coverage relative to Grace's death. You know, so I have my own podcast because of that. We can't even get, you know, you can't get anybody in the alphabet network to cover Grace's death. What's the reason? Well, I see it as all propaganda. They had to get those freezer trucks on the news in order to set the table for the bigger agenda, which is the rollout of the vaccine, create the fear um, and all for profit and control. And so anyway, that's my perspective. Of, you know, I'd like you to weigh in on it, Aaron.
2: I mean, the American people and, and I mean the world, but specifically in the US, you know, we were essentially attacked by our own government and they used a, you know, psychological operation tactic against us. And we were talking a little bit about this yesterday. You know, it it uh, it, it is it was illegal to do that. And, and it's not anymore. And that was changed very quietly. And so if you repeat something over and over and off, people will begin to believe it. If that's all you're seeing, that's all you're hearing, you know, and um, the majority of the country until, you until it honestly a lot of when the only the only time people really started waking up is if it happened to them directly And, and and it and that's what's like really hard about it is because like in early 2020 i mean we had it like i i had the evidence and and you know this was even both sides you know a lot of people are like oh this is the democratic thing republic it's this is a humanitarian thing. And, and and both sides ignored my story, you know, outside of Tucker and and Fox and Friends those are the two main uh, news stations that shared it. I haven't been back since, you know, and, and they've not talked about it since, you know, and why shouldn't right. this be the number one thing? Because had had they listened back then or had people want it, like wanted to believe it. And a lot of them, were like, they would never do that. Doctors would never do that because there's this image in people's heads that, you know, nurses and doctors are just wonderful. Like they would never, you know, they're, they're there to help us. That's not true. You know, and, and even the pushback that I got for the majority was from my own colleagues. Especially the nurses and and the complaints that I got were that I took away their hero status because they finally got recognition. Y'all are, they're not heroes. Nobody was a hero that, that, that said nothing and just continued allowing people to die and 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 continue to do it today, allowed the vaccine to roll out or whatever that biological weapon is, that's now killing even more people. You know, okay. and, and so when how do we stop this? if we're so censored and everybody is so brainwashed and sadly the, the majority of people are it's going to be too late because they're going to they're going to have lost you know somebody special to them and that's how essentially we're building our army is their families you know and it's it's sad it's disheartening and and, and it it makes me just i'm livid like <laughs> I, I am on like this is it this is like the hill I'm gonna die on you know and um, I I want to see I want to see these Nuremberg trials I I think honestly we need to bring back public hangings we, there needs to be a bigger punishment for for this mass genocide that occurred.
1: Yeah, I, uh, boy, I really sympathize with that position because there's you know a lot of I days I think I think I'm wasting my time.
2: No, um, you're not. Mm-mm.
1: Well, I mean, you, 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 thank you for that, Aaron. I mean, I keep going because this is yeah. the hill I'm dying on, too. And, and, you know, if that literally happens, it does. I mean, it just, it, I am willing to die on this hill that's that big of a deal.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: it, you also said it tends to, people don't tend to wake up until something happens to them. And I mean, I'm the poster child for that. You yeah. know, I was, um, yeah, you know, I'm woken up now. I mean, I'm waking up. I don't think anybody can ever be truly woken up. but I mean, it's a process. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know Grace gave her life to wake me up is one of the many things. So now I have an obligation. But you know, when people don't believe you, you know, it's disheartening. I mean, you you know, I mean it is like yeah. um, anyway. It's,
2: she she um she's gonna save lives and she already is. You know, her yeah. Grace's story is she she is going to live on for generations to come. Like my kids thank her. Do you know like you're doing a lot. Scott, I just I and I know that I don't I can never know how exactly you feel, but I do know that I am we're in the same war together yeah. and and when I was in the army we we called it battle buddies and that's what we are now, you know, and we're going to all attack it from different angles, but the biggest thing i think is that we can never ever allow those taken unnecessarily like grace to to not have a voice because they're they're attempting to bury all of these people that were disposed right. of and they're doing it as they move forward so people don't see it and that's also part of a, like a psychological operation you know remember the tickers on the TV. It was like always about the death count. They removed that now, removed all these victims' faces, and, and they're essentially detaching everybody from humanity. And uh, what we're doing is is keeping that intact so people don't forget.
1: Well, that's exactly right. You should actually comment about your voiceless project now because that's good because you're doing something towards that end. So go ahead and comment on that, Aaron. It's very good, very neat project.
2: Um, so I, I, I feel very passionate about not allowing my patients to, to have died in vain. Um, and I actually wrote that, that was like the front of my book, you know, like I'm this, I'm going to fight forever. And, and now I never thought in a million years we'd be in 2023 and it's continuing. And, um, I listened to a song called dancing in the sky and it literally like brought me to my knees. And, and I'm like, I know what I have to do. I'm like, and that's kind of like what happened in New York too. I, I was crying in my hotel room. Like, I don't know. God just spoke to me then. He spoke to me now. And I'm like, I need to do this. And I put out um, uh, a post that said, I want to I wanna start, I want to make a video with like the faces of everybody's loved ones and short home video clips to show that these are real people and they can't be forgotten and and they shouldn't ever be forgotten um and then um with the grace of god uh, a hollywood uh, film actress had um recently you know reached out to me and she had lost her mother the same way just seven months prior and um, her sister's a singer, and my good friend Lisa. So there's four of us women that now are, we're creating a docu-series. There's so many people that um, we're, we're just doing a whole darn series and it's going to be out for ever and ever and ever. So these victims' voices are always heard. So it's thevoicesproject.org um, and we're, we're, um, this is going to be a, a, a pretty unique um, project, and, and ironically enough, um, Natalie Jones, is the actress, um, said that the majority of her colleagues uh, actually support support what she's doing. So
3: okay.
2: it, it seems like there's some a, a lot of them have also experienced things, and they're they're too afraid to say anything. So the tides are turning, and and the, we're making a difference. And people are starting to be a little bit more skeptical. Maybe not saying it out loud, but internally, you know, it is it is turning, which is a good thing.
1: Well, that's uh, that's fantastic. All right, my last couple of questions for you, then I'll I'll start closing. Is what can people do, and then how can they help?
2: Um with the project or just in general?
1: No, well, I mean, in what can people, I, I should have framed that better. What can people do to protect themselves? So what is your perspective of that? And then, you know, the unrelated question of that is how can they help with what you're doing?
2: Um, you know, here's what I tell people, like it just, fear, fear is uh, the enemy too, you know, and be prepared you know, be prepared, but still be cautious. Um, I I have America's Clinic. It's americasclinic.com. We ship nationwide for all the preventative medications. If you want to go down the, um, you know, ivermectin route, Um, follow the FLCCC protocols. Um, But honestly, like live your life you know, and, and, uh, and stay out of the hospitals and just live a healthy lifestyle, you know, um, but also help others and be be brave enough to, to share your story because, you know, you, you may just be one person. I was just one person, you know, one one nurse from Florida, you know, in the middle of, you know, New York, um, totally on my own, 100 percent, you know, I'm a single mom of three boys. But you know, one person can make quite a difference and you never know who you're gonna be inspiring. Um, and just to, if you wanted to get involved or especially I feel like families of victims, it's almost like a healing process to be able to participate in a project like this um, where you're gonna be able to like connect with others that have had similar experiences and work together and create something absolutely beautiful. We're praying that we can get this on Amazon Prime. Um, But if you wanted to volunteer with The Voiceless Project, you know, just um, you can email us at info at um, thevoicelessproject.org. And we're right now looking for anybody that wants to help out, um, share what they're good at. Maybe, you know, just uh, get these get these stories out and um, share the faces in the home videos and who these victims of this atrocity that happened across the world share them share their stories so this never happens again.
3: That's it. Uh, Deserves that voice. Yeah, that's
1: fantastic. The advice, uh, you know, a a healthy lifestyle, of course, is the best preventative you can have, but stay out of the hospital. So, you know, that should be at all costs, but Mm -hmm. there's going to be times that people, you end up in a hospital. I mean, there is objective times, you know, so we tend to, you know, a lot of people, you get a hangnail, you go to the emergency room. Well, you know, obviously that should never be, but now that you're awake, I mean, that literally you should never go to the emergency room unless it's an objective emergency so if you end up in the emergency room and we we put a tab on grace's website uh, for hospital rescues because you really have to be alert to your rights in the hospital you know you have the right to inform consent it's probably the biggest right that people have they have no concept of what that even means it's almost as if you go into that hospital and you've surrendered your rights to the to the doctor because you think that he's following the hippocratic oath and then you end up bowing down to whatever they say well you know i want you to comment on informed consent but it just you know because i i'm just a layman but from the simple perspective that i have of informed consent is that you you need to make the decision so you start with you're making the decision versus the doctor and you have a legal right to that, okay? They've trampled that right, but you have that legal right. So if you end up in a hospital setting, you need to establish that right first. And then every single thing that they want to do to you, you stop, you ask the questions, you ask them for what is the, what are the choices? What are the consequences for each choice? And then you say, I'm going to take a look at those and then I'll let you know what my decision is. Don't ever get in a position where you're pressured because you're going to make a mistake. You know, Grace lost her life because I did not know what informed consent was. And yeah, it's it's really critical. So anyway, your your thoughts on that, Erin, would be great.
2: Um, You're exactly right. Um, I'm gonna share something that's actually very, 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 very important um, for everybody to know this. When you go into the hospital or anywhere, I don't even care if it's a dentist's office, anywhere you go, um, never, ever, ever sign that keypad that they have you sign to sign in. And here's why. Um, Everything that you're signing right there is a consent to treatment how they see fit. Um, People don't know this. um, Never sign it. Ask them when you do check in to print it out. Um, They'll give you problems, um, that's, that's not your problem that they have a problem with that. They, they illegally have to print it out for you. Um, they're going to try to rush you through it. You don't need to have that signed, um, until you're, you're ready for it. And they can't deny treatment because of that. Um, I actually experienced this with myself and man, they are intimidating even to me. And this was, you know, I'm, I'm a tough cookie, but they are intimidating in there. They will make you feel like you are an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. Who cares? At the end of the day, you're paying them, they work for you, Um, informed consent is mandatory. And what informed consent is, is they're not, a lot of people think that they're just informing you, right, They, they, they need to give you all of the information in order for you to make an educated and informed decision. So if they're not giving you all of the risks and all of the benefits, and if they're gaslighting you when you ask questions, and they're just pushing it through, you don't need to sign anything. That is your right. Um, Here's my experience, and I'm going to just share this like briefly, because this is what I did, and I was in a situation like this in May 2021. So because of the vaccine, my, my son still has Uh, major uh, gut issues and it comes and goes, Um, but I did have to bring him and we were admitted to the hospital um, in May of 2021. I am obviously, this was even after New York, very knowledgeable about how to navigate the system. While we were admitted, I mean, I actually felt so intimidated that I ended up hiring a pediatrician outside of there and i got an attorney on standby in case they were going to try to send cps in cuz they do use that against parents as well so they have these intimidation tactics you have a right to record in a hospital that's a public facility and that's where you're you're essentially like living at that time people have right to record and they're going to tell you you don't have a right you do have a right and at all times i recorded every single every single instance that i was that you know anybody was in my room talking to me they're trying to push a medication that i did not want um, european standards they don't even give that at all um so they they want to continue pushing 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 but you have a right as a parent and and that's another thing that people can do is just be prepared have your circle together if anything does happen have somebody that you know that you can trust on standby uh, you know, a friend, an attorney, another doctor that you know that you can call if you're ever in an instance like that. Because I actually did have to have s- them on standby because I was a little getting a little bit nervous until they figured out that, you know, I was a whistleblower, you know, and then they treated me differently because of that. But not everybody is is that way. So it is, um it's a scary, it's a scary situation. And, and it's awful that it has to be like that. But Knowing your rights, that's half the battle, you know, and then having a plan in place because there are things that are going to happen. And when you do go through that, the, the sheets that they will print out from the keypad go line by line and you cross out everything that you don't agree with, you cross it out, you initial it, you date it, and you say, you know, I do not agree i do not consent you know and especially for your children if you've already signed those keypads you can go to all of the facilities and you can have that um redacted from your charts as well
1: so I, I, boy am i glad we covered that point that is fantastic yeah, yeah. I, I want to i always want to give people something tangible that can save their lives and yeah. that is that is tangible and it literally will save your life. I mean, this is is a big deal. You think that we're joking. Um, You know, that's the single most important thing you could do is change your belief relative to the old paradigm of what we grew up with that hospitals are. That old paradigm is not there anymore. And if you don't change that, your odds of surviving a hospital stay are extremely low. So, you Mm -hmm. know, the first step is change your belief relative to what hospitals are and then you can accept these tools that we're talking about and this specific tool about not signing the keypad. I mean, why mm-hmm. am I glad you brought that up? Thank you, Aaron.
2: It's an easy thing because when you can even go, I mean, now if you want to go in and, and have them printed out right now, read through it. There are I mean, these pages, you're consenting to everything. Yeah. And, and so you've already. Before you even speak to the doctor, going into the emergency room, and even the, like your your pediatrician, anywhere, you've already consented to everything, so they don't really have to get any other consents. And if you don't want to sign it, that's how they can get around, you know, giving certain treatments and and including like biologics or the the COVID vaccine or any anything that they deem fit. Once once people read actually that fine small print, like this isn't going to sound so crazy anymore, and you're they're actually going to be quite surprised that. I mean, they didn't even know that they consented to everything and they did. And that's dangerous. That's that's trickery, you know, and it's it's evil in itself, you know, to not not tell people what they're signing. Never sign blindly.
1: Yeah, that's that's fantastic. I'm going to just give my closing comment Aaron, then I'll come back to you for the final word. So, you know, when I hear you talk, it's it's fantastic. You know, I see, of course, how programmed I I have been. I'm not programmed relative to hospitals anymore, but, you know, it's it's nice to have somebody else in the fight that is exposing corruption in the hospital. It's great. You know, the The thing that I believe everybody has to see is how we got here. So now I'm, you know, the broad view is you think, how could this possibly happen in the United States? You know, God has his hand on the United States. Well, yeah, he has his hand when we follow him and the reality is as a nation, we have rejected God and the only path back is repentance. And you think, well, that applies to the next guy. Well, I wanna, I just wanna talk about how it applies to each person and what I had to repent of. And so with Grace's care, you know, I was not just believing the doctors I and mean, I was taken out by an armed guard because I was challenging. So obviously I was, um, not just following suit. But what I had to repent of is that I was following the FLCCC protocol. There's nothing wrong with following that protocol. That's not what I'm throwing under the bus. But I trusted in that protocol instead of trusting God. And every time that that happens, you will fail. And you're, you're maybe the biggest single key in that. And, and this is it. Why did we trust the FLCCC protocol? Well, we had a fear. So we were influenced by that propaganda, and when you have fear, that's a strong signal. In fact, it's a it's a hundred percent signal that you should go opposite because God did not give us a spirit of fear. So when you overlay that on yourself, you can see what your responsibility is is to repent for. And you know we can only get through this if we rely on the person God sent, which is our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, who died, was buried and rose again Amen. on the earth. So anyway, Jesus, uh, not anyway, but I mean, uh, my final statement, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And if we stand on that, that will, um, that will get us through this. So Aaron, the final word, please.
2: I, I couldn't agree more, Scott. And, you know, just um, le- lead with love and and love your neighbor. I mean, how it's it's easy. You know, at the end of the day, it's easy, and we don't necessarily always have to agree with each other, but but we can be respectful to each other and and take care of each other. You know, and and that's and this is from from all walks of life. So this is this is a humanitarian, good versus evil, uh, spiritual warfare fight that we're in, and. Um, we're going to just keep on keeping on and, and this is this is um we we were born for this time uh i know that you i think we've talked about this uh you know in the, in the past but it's as hard as it is to be leaders i guess and um because sometimes we don't want to even get out of bed i know that for myself um it's People think that it, it's, you know, we have like this superhuman strength, but at the end of the day, um, we don't, you know, it, it, it's very, very difficult. However, we trust, we trust him that, you know, he's leading us to down the right path and, and we're gonna just follow that lead. And, and that's what I've been doing. And it hasn't, he hasn't been wrong yet. You know, I'm still standing uh still have my license and um you know the the tides are turning you know people are people are are waking up and that's all we can hope for um and you know if if anyone wanted to you know doesn't know my story yet um i do have it on my website it's nurse and I have linked there my expose that I had put out with some of my undercover video, as well as um, my book. Um, You can get a signed copy, um, personalized sent to you since you won't find it on any bookshelves, but um, pass that down to your kids someday. So yeah, just thanks, thanks for having me, Scott. And we're in this battle together.
1: Well, thanks for thanks for being my guest. See, she doesn't even put her last name in the website. See, it's nursearran.org. See, that's so all. Yeah. <laughs> so we yeah. started, or we ended just how we started. So, yeah, that's, that's
2: good. That's fine Aaron, with me. Thanks. I like it like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you very much, Erin. Talk to Thank you
2: soon. Thank you, too, Scott. God right. bless.
4: For other details, we return you now to your regularly scheduled program.